Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. All right, Nicholas, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really excited to have you here. Thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, so Nicholas, you're a, you're a serial SaaS entrepreneur. You founded a few companies, had a few successful exits. Now you're, you're, you're in the thick of things again as the founder and CEO of ChiliPiper.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to kick things off, like, do you mind just telling our audience a bit about yourself and what Chili Piper does and who you help? Yes, uh, sure. So I'm uh, originally French, as I'm sure um, a lot of you would guess. I came here uh, um, quite a while back to go to Stanford Business School, and that's where I caught the bug of uh, doing tech companies. So I've done uh, three uh, pre- previous tech companies that I've sold. Um, I've always been passionate by sales. Um, that's how I funded my, my studies. I was selling newspapers and, and, and loving it. And um, this company, Chili Pepper, is uh, combining my uh, passion for sales and my passion for uh, tech entrepreneurship. So we're building, uh, we have the ambition to build a system of action for salespeople. So that's what the goal of the company is. But ironically, we started with a product that uh, actually caters to uh, marketers uh, as much as they caters to salespeople. So our core product, uh, Chili Pepper, solves a very simple problem. Um, it's the inbound problem. So visitors would come to a website, fill a form, click submit, and upon submit, they get a page that say, thank you, somebody is going to call you. And the visitors is left wondering well, who is going to call me and when. And in that process, companies typically lose more than half their heart leads. So Chili Pepper solved this problem. What we do is that we have a smart JavaScript that uh, upon form submission, is going to qualify the prospect in real time, route in real time, find the right rep, call the rep, call the prospect, get them in touch, or retrieve the rep's calendar, offer the calendar, and have the prospect book the meeting in real time so that the meeting is confirmed immediately. So that's what we do. We started in 2016. We have beautiful customers like uh, Intuit, Gainsight, Square, uh, many, many, many uh, visible brands. Um, and we are now extending to other parts of the of the uh, sales process. Okay, so that that's awesome. That sounds uh, really interesting. Um, so, so y- y- what you said, you combined your 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 uh, passion for sales and tech. Started Chili Piper. When did you When did you found it? You said early six, 2016. 2000. Okay, so, so four years. Four years. That's right. Okay. So, so, I mean, you said you had three successful exits. Um, you know, I don't obviously want to ask you, you know, the the amount, but you know, what made you want to get back into building a a new startup again? Uh, the short answer is that I can't help it. I just love doing it. And, uh, and I tried after my third exit, I thought I'd uh, become a VC because, um, 
it seems that's what people do when they grow up. Entrepreneurs do when they grow up. You know, they become a venture capitalist. Uh, so I, I, I played venture capitalist for a while, and uh, I find myself constantly tempted to jump into uh, the seat of the uh, entrepreneurs I was talking to and say, "Let me just do it for you." So um, I decided to do uh, another company. My um, previous exits uh, were. In a short time frame, there's this like magic number for startups around three years. Uh, I remember uh, my first startup, this guy told me, he said, look, after three years, you know if it's going to work or not work, or you, you get your chance and you um, should make a decision. And that's what has happened to me. And it's not something, um, it's just a natural cycle because it takes typically about a year to get your product about ready. It takes a, another year to figure out the sale. And the third year, you, you can tell if it's going to work or not. So this company, uh, Chili Piper, uh, we have a vision where we think we can really be um, a long-term play. Uh, the vision is that uh, Salesforce as a CRM is, is obviously there for the long-term. Uh, they know a $160 billion company in market cap, but they really um, cater to the back end, to the system of record of um, for companies. And that leaves the space for the front-end automation, so what we call the system of action. The um, best example in the marketing world is our HubSpot has uh, come in from nowhere and, and taken that ownership of how marketers do their job and become the system of action of marketers. In the sales space, that's still for grab. So we want to build that uh, solution. And to answer your question, when I, uh, when I did this analysis and thought there was this opportunity, I thought, okay, this, one, this time I'm going to do a new company, but I'm going to take it all the way. No, no exit after three years. We, uh, we, we've already received offers. We've already declined them. Uh, we you need to build uh, something beautiful that uh, salespeople will love. That's awesome. I love that. Um, you mentioned a few of the companies using Chili Piper. Do you have a, a particular type of segment or company size that you go after? No, actually, because the, the, the problem we solve is a very universal, right? Uh, people, many companies have a form and, and a reasonable amount of traffic, and uh, all of them need to engage and, and not lose any of their prospects. So um, we have a lot of tech companies, but not so much because they need us more than the others. It's mostly because they're more forward-thinking and they, they move faster. So, you know, companies that segment was our first customer uh, because they, they're very forward-thinking. Um, but then we extended to to other uh, type of uh, companies. Um, we have, uh, for example, a film school in L.A., uh, booking meetings with a prospect. We have... Um, RemoteYear.com, if you're familiar with the company, they, they have a great program where they, they uh, sign up individuals and take them around the world for 12 months and, and they, people work on their own. So it's a B2C yeah. company. It's not tech per se, uh, but they still need to book meetings with a prospect and they use a Chili Piper. So it's a very broad spectrum um, that we cover. Got it. Perfect. So it was like i love what you said so a visitor comes to the website they submit the form and the visitor often wonders like what's next is that is that the primary like function and use case or are there any other like tools and features that that chili piper does 
Well, so we combine uh, we combine um, this uh, form automation with um, routing and distribution, and then scheduling. So what we find is that uh, companies love our product, and they say, "Oh, you do scheduling really, really well." Um, we have other use cases in our process where scheduling is needed. Typically, um, account executives, customer success, customer support. So very often, companies extend uh, and use us in other use cases. So, for example, uh, Avalara started with uh, one team and extended to 11 teams in the company, and they're all using uh, uh, Piper to do their scheduling. Another example is Forrester, the consulting company where they... they uh, uh, the critical process is to book meetings with the analyst, right? Book time with the analyst. So they use Chili Piper to make sure that the time is booked properly and all the good things that should happen around it happen. So these other use cases are uh, a natural extension for us, and, and that's how we've been able to have a, a great net revenue expansion because we expand to other use cases within our customers. That's awesome. Love the concept. Uh, so how, how big is the team right now? We are 42 people. Uh, that's a company. We have uh, something unique is that we are distributed all over the world. So we are 42 people in 36 cities in 16 countries. We have the belief that there are smart people everywhere and we want to work with them. So wherever you are, uh, apply to a job at Chili Piper and we'd be happy to talk. So 36 uh, cities, 16 countries. It's a funny thing that uh, people say, where's your headquarter? And say, well, if I go with the place where we have the most employees, that's um, Bratislava in Slovakia, because okay. one guy hired two friends and we have three people there. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's great. Yeah. So 42 yeah. people fully remote. Uh, my, my company's fully remote too. So, so I, I totally get it. Not that big, but that's awesome. Do you, do you yeah. share uh, revenue numbers at all or? Uh, internally, you mean, or with you? <laughs> uh, yeah, just, uh, you know. Yeah, we, we, we're very transparent. We, we, we uh, passed 4 million. Uh, we are now uh, trusting with five. Um, we've been able to uh, bootstrap and uh, grow profitably. So um, at the rate we are, you know, it's 42 people in, the, in that level of rate. We have been doubling this year. We're likely to more than double. Um, so we're on the right trends. That's awesome. So that's 4 million in, in ARR. Yeah, we we passed that, yeah. We passed, we passed it. it. That's we, beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Great stuff. Um, I'd love to take it back to sort of the beginning, like when you started Chili Piper, you know, you obviously had a lot of experience prior. So this, you know, wasn't your first rodeo, but you know, a lot of my listeners are early stage founders and a common question I get is about gaining traction early on. So, so how exactly did you get your first handful of customers with Chili Piper? I know you mentioned segment was one of your first, but um, just in general, what was your strategy for penetrating the market? Yeah, we had a, a unique strategy that I uh, borrowed from um, the fashion industry. Uh, we call it the, the bullseye. So you have your, your target and you go for the center of the target. And the center is defined by the people who are most influential. So in the early 2000s, I was involved with... Um, uh, Louis Vuitton, uh, the luxury brand, 
they came to the U.S. They were doing about 120 million in the U.S., but they were not a very well-known brand, and they decided to invest. And they grew their business from 120 to two billion dollars in about five years. So it's kind of the growth that you see in tech startups. And the way they did it is with this bullseye strategy. They went after uh, the most influential uh, people in the industry, which are celebrities. So they targeted celebrities, make sure they were photographed with the Vuitton bags and clothes. And then they went to the next circle. The next circle is what they call socialites. So people in the big cities will get photographed a lot. And they're not really famous like, uh, like Salma Hayek, but they would be nonetheless photographed because they are maybe the, the mayor or the wife of the mayor or, or the husband of the mayor. Um, and that strategy, then it expands to, to, to the other people who, who look up to these uh, influencers. So in our world, we went, uh, when, I, when I started, I, I went to target companies that were well-known um, for their expertise in the particular area where a product operates. So segment is one, for example, segment sales to marketers or solution for the inbound automation uh, caters to marketers. So they're very highly considered. So I wanted to make sure that we sign them as customer. And I did that pretty uh, uh, old-fashioned with uh, you know, phone calls and in-person meetings uh, to meet the key people and, uh, and then say, like, please try your software. But there was a very uh, conscious strategy of targeting companies that are more visible. Um, so in the early adopters, we didn't just put a sign and say, whoever wants to try, try it. We actually went out to meet these companies that are more influential because when you can tell, look, um, you should do it. Uh, for example, now we have Facebook as customers and they say, well, do, can you scale? And you say, well, if you think about scaling, think about Facebook and yes, we do scale. That's, that's, you, you've nailed it. Right. And so, um, that's how we approached it. And that worked really well because, um, not only, um, these influential companies recommended us, but also people, because they were using our product, their customers were booking meetings with them using Chili Piper. So they would experience our product and then they would come to us and say, I love the, how it works. I, book, I just booked a meeting with Segment. It was awesome. Uh, I want you to do the same thing to my customers. And so they would sign up with us. So that grew our inbound flow um, very, very nicely. And that's how we were able to bootstrap for the, uh, all along the uh, past several millions in revenues. I love that. Yeah, I can, I can totally see how how using the product can, can cause a viral loop, right? Just someone signing up to like a segment and like, oh, wow, this is cool. Um, yeah. So segment, I guess, was considered, you consider them like sort of like quote your celebrity early on like that yeah, that's middle right. bullseye. Okay, perfect. Um, and you single-handedly like went after you know, those, those high profile companies that you just had a list of and you just bang them off old school. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, with every possible means to <laughs> get in touch, you know, it goes, uh, so friends who know somebody, uh, LinkedIn connection, uh, in-person meetings, uh, there's this, there's this joke in New York because I started in New York where, uh, when people uh, see me arrive at a, at a party, they all, uh, flee you know because <laughs> i know that i'm going to try to sell them chili paper i no longer have to do that so no they can relax but uh but it, it is the case at the time that i would just be very active uh, wherever i was to sell chili paper 
So, you know, I, I love that, you know, someone like yourself who, who, again, had three exits, obviously have the means. And a lot of people I find get so try and get too fancy when it comes to sales. You know, they think just because they have an, a cool looking app, like people are just going to find it. You run some ads, but, you know, old school sales, like pick up the phone, um, send the emails like, like that. That works. You know, coming from someone like yourself, I think that's really important for people to hear. You, you, you have to do that in the early days uh, because you have to um, get the feedback firsthand. You have to see what works, what doesn't work, what uh, what uh, prospects are sensitive to. Um, so uh, there's no better way than to do that uh, yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so what about today? Like, what are what are some of the best growth channels that are working best right now? I'm sure you're still not doing cold calls anymore. No, that's right. I don't do it. So now we have a team in the FSDRs doing it. That's working really well. So we're getting ready to scale that. We've um, experimented a lot on how to reach our targets and get our targets engaged. Right now we have a... Uh, good process so this outbound process is working well for us um, on the inbound we've just hired um, a chief marketing officer joined in November so we're really at the beginning of all the things we could do we've relied a lot on uh, these viral aspects that we mentioned earlier until now and now we see that uh, to get to the next round of uh, of companies we need to educate the market and so invest more in content and webinars and things of this nature so that's our next step nice so outbound is still your primary source This episode is brought to you by my friends at Lotops. Lotops CRM is an agency management software for independent insurance agencies. It's easy to use, powerful, and very affordable. You can do things like track premiums and commissions for you and your team members, create and assign tasks for team members, sync your Google calendars and emails, and automate reminders for client birthdays or product renewals. Lotops makes it easy to stay on top of things with your customers and prospects so you can save time and focus on growing your agency. So if you're in the insurance business, make sure you check out lowtops.com. That's L-O-T-O-P-S.com. Lowtops.com. You won't regret it. Organic inbound uh, has been historically our primary source. Okay. So people are hearing about us. Uh, then we complemented with outbound. So now outbound is... is, is uh, a strong source and and next we're going to go uh, with more traditional marketing got it got it makes sense how how big is your sales team we have 12 people okay i'm curious i don't know if you you mentioned you're transparent i don't know if if you want to share this but um just considering like you do outbound you, you obviously rely on that viral inbound you share like your cost of acquisition the sales cost of acquisition is still very low. Uh, we, we, we break even, you know, cash break even. So uh, unlike other companies, uh, uh, which raise a lot of money, we, we, um, we can't afford to, to spend three years, uh, you know, and even more than one year um, on our cost of acquisition, one year of uh, annual value. So we, 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 our cost of acquisition is, is, is a much, 
matter of a few months of uh, annual value right now. Okay, nice. That's awesome. Perfect. I, again, another thing, uh, important thing, I think people got to hear because you don't hear this too often of uh, someone who, who um, is successful in outbound. I think outbound gets a bad reputation nowadays and I don't know why, um, but I think just people's execution on outbound sucks which is why they it doesn't work for most people you're exactly right it's a very difficult thing to to make work we we uh experimented uh for quite a while uh it it's a matter of finding the right targets the right message the right the right sequence it, it's it's not a, an easy science and uh it takes patience so and it probably takes bad rep because if you do it badly it really doesn't work and pieces up everybody right because you keep sending the wrong emails to the wrong people and you're going to get a bad reputation very quickly so um it, it's it's a tricky thing to do but if once you figure it out it's a very powerful uh, way to acquire customer i agree yeah totally aligned there for sure so yeah chili piper is fully remote were your previous companies remote as well or no but I always had more than one office. So, uh, and typically it's because I would work with, uh, other developers in Europe. Um, my first, um, two companies I had, uh, developers in France just because I'm French and it was an easy place for me to recruit. So I had the experience that I can work remotely, but it was still one team and another team. Um, when we started, uh, Chili Pepper. So my wife is the co-founder. She's from Romania. We um, had a contact there in Romania, and then we fortunately met a, a super um, bright engineer in Ukraine. We got started that way, and um, that confirmed our view that uh, nowadays you can work remotely, and, and, and uh, there's enough um, technology and, and ways to do it that it can work. So we use uh, Zoom very often to have our meetings. We do video calls. We, uh, we use Slack. We use uh, Google Docs for decisions. Uh, all the infrastructure is ready now. And it wasn't the case, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Do, do you think you're, you'd, um, so would you ever have an office again? Do you think your company would be bigger if you had an office or what are your thoughts? Um, by that, you probably mean a headquarter because we actually have, have this, uh, people say, oh, you're saving an office. That's great. We don't save anything on office. We, uh, we offer, uh, we work, um, membership to everybody. So I'm, I'm actually calling you from a, we work in Brooklyn, a beautiful, we work in Navy Yard, um, and it's not cheap, and uh, and we, we do that for everybody. It's a very important thing to go to work in the morning and to go to a nice office. But we don't have a headquarter with multiple people from uh, from the, the company. And um, I don't think I'll ever do it, no. Uh, because once the model is based on um, or working remotely, even when people are next to me, yeah, sometimes I go to L.A. and there's, I work with... Uh, a guy in the same office, we just don't meet in person because that's just not how we operate. So I don't see a day where we would switch and say, okay, now we're going to bring out all sorts of people in the office. Yeah, we're going to continue with the same operating mode and, and whether, like my joke with Bratislava, it's a true story with three people in Bratislava. Um, but uh, even if we have more than, let's say it's likely that, that some said we'd get a lot more people in New York and in San Francisco, um, 
we will still not put them in the same office to try to to do headquarter. Yeah, awesome. What do you think is the hardest part of managing a remote team? You know, I'm hesitating because I don't see many hard parts. Right now, we have uh, uh, two customer success uh, uh, managers uh, who met in our last trip. So last trip, we flew everybody to Ibiza to go party uh, in October. They met there. They say, wow, the world is beautiful. Uh, One lived in uh, New York, the other one in D.C., and they said, why don't we, do, don't we explore where we work? And they both moved to Colombia. So right now they're doing the same work. They're doing great work, but out of uh, this beautiful place in Colombia. And uh, so it's just a wonderful way to be able to work. And I don't see many drawbacks, uh, quite frankly. Occasionally, when we need to brainstorm, I'm finding that it's harder to do uh, remotely. So in that case... Um, that's the exception where we need to be in person, but it's easy. We just fly and meet for two, for one or two days and, and do it. So I'm, 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 I'm all in on the, on the remote work. I think it's the way of the future. I'm with you. Totally agree with that. Um, do you still do the hiring at your company? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any tips on how to find the right people in a remote setup or any specific methods that you want to share? Well, so, uh, a large majority of our candidates come from uh, remote working sites. So this kind of a self-selection that uh, people who want to work remotely go to uh, uh, remote work sites and, and find us, which makes sense, right? And that, that gives us access to a lot of uh, talent. So, for example, with people in Brazil, right, and uh, these two guys who were in Germany and they wanted to go home, uh, but they, they want to work for uh, a global company, but they'd like to be wherever they are from in, in Brazil. So they look for companies that uh, do remote work. So that gives get, us a lot of talent. Um, and once we have this talent, then the, the, the uh, question of uh, making sure we select uh, the right people. And for that process, the same as everybody, we, we've... Uh, gradually improve our way to assess uh, the talent we're looking for and, and uh, make sure we find the right matches. Awesome. I'm curious about your, your say, you said you have 12 um, sales reps or SDRs. Uh, where are they based out of specifically the salespeople? Yeah. Um, so it's five SDRs and seven E's and uh, they are, as distributed as the rest of the team, we have one SDR in Colombia, uh, one in Sacramento, one in Indianapolis. No, that's an AE. Everywhere. Mostly in the same time zone, time zone as the US, although we do have a couple of people in Europe. But uh, it's the same applies. They can do their work from wherever they want to be. The reason I ask is because, again, we're also remote. We hire for sales as well. Um, you know, we, we hire people from everywhere, right? But for some reason, I don't know if it's just timing, luck, with, with sales specifically, the, the only people I've ever hired, just coincidentally, I don't know if it's coincidence, are either in the States or in Canada. Yeah. That makes sense. Is that pretty, uh, pretty accurate for you well, as well? Well, yeah, because... Uh, um, the, the sales, um, 
first of all, we sell mostly to U.S. companies, right? The market is still much more active in the U.S. and other places. We do have European customers, but the U.S. market is a lot more active. So you, you are going to find the salespeople in the U.S. that are more they're more qualified than the right experience. So it's more likely they would be in the U.S. But as I mentioned, uh, when you hire them in the U.S., they may move to other places because they think their life yeah. would be better. Yeah, no, we've had that for sure. Um, I'm envious of those people, to be honest. Yeah, yeah you look at the pictures they sent and say, wow, that I know. <laughs> um, something I've been uh, thinking about personally recently, and you sort of touched on it, or you mentioned it briefly, uh, is net negative churn. So for the listeners who, who might not be aware, like this is when your expansion revenue from existing customers is greater than the lost revenue from churn and contraction. Um, so like this is the Holy grail metric in my opinion, like if a company can reach that, like, you know, you, you, you figured if you really figured it out, um, have any of your companies sustained net negative churn, like consistently? Um, so Chili Pepper does all along. Um, my previous company, we're not SaaS companies. You, 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 you. Uh, I did uh, different types of uh, technologies, so it's it's uh, okay. my first experience SaaS. But yeah, Chili Pepper is consistently, and that is a key to be able to uh, uh, grow, grow profitably. You can see if you, if you have to refill the bucket uh, on a constantly when work. Yeah, that, like that's huge. Like you know, you, you mentioned that like Chili Piper has been net negative for since the beginning. So, like for companies yeah, yeah. focused on attaining that, like what suggestions would you give? Like you know, what would you focus on to achieve that? Well, obviously, the um, net negative comes from expansion. So it comes from uh, both people being happy with your product and they are finding a need for your product, right? So you, you, that's all in the product design. You have to design something that uh, for sure is better than the alternative and is also has the capability to expand. In our case, we expand, you would say, horizontally. So we uh, start, say, with uh, SDRs and then we, got, we also get uh, customer success to use our, our product for scheduling. The alternative would be to say you, you stay in the same persona, but you extend the feature set that they can use and, and get more um, dollars per person. Um, but either way, it's all about your product design. You have to think of it through that, uh, A, they're going to stick with you and B, that you have the potential to, to, to sell more, which is exactly what we're doing now. We, we're extending, uh, we've extended horizontally very, very well on the scheduling work. And now we're launching uh, additional solutions to expand uh, where you could do it vertically, which means for, uh, get more dollars for each user. So we've just launched, um, or we just announced, not launched, um, Collaborative Inbox. So it's a way to help revenue teams collaborate. The idea that they can have access to all the emails that have been sent to their customers, even if they're within their inbox, even if it was not sent by them, and they can chat around it. So this is something that we've been thinking for a long time and finally we think, okay, this is the best way to do it for, for revenue team. They should be able to uh, collaborate and see uh, all the history directly in their inbox. That is a new product that we're going to bring to our market and our existing customers. And we expect that uh, um, they will all adopt it and, and therefore uh, 
pay additional dollars for, for these new capabilities that we give them. So it's a, a vertical expansion. Um, so you have to design uh, design your product so that you, you you can do either or ideally both. That's awesome. You know, first off, congratulations on the, like the net negative. I think that's extremely difficult for a lot of companies to achieve, especially consistently. Um, I, I love that collaborative email inbox as well. Is that is that something similar to like a front? Have you heard of front app? They're yeah, front that, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, they they. It's uh, similar at a high level, but it's. Uh, Technically, the opposite. So, Front uh, works with a generic inbox like uh, support at Chili Pepper or uh, success at Chili Pepper and share the access to the generic inbox to multiple users. We do the opposite. We start with the personal inboxes of all the users. So, Nicholas at Chili Pepper and uh, Elisa at Chili Pepper. And we syndicate across. So we say, hey, Nicholas, uh, I know you're talking to uh, Zoom Info right now. Uh, you want to know how the onboarding is going, uh, search for it, and I'll see every email that Elisa is sending to Zoom Info uh, on the onboarding process, right? So it, it's Elisa's email is syndicated to my inbox. So it's, um, in a sense, the opposite of a uh, front where they... they they have a, a generic inbox where they share access, and we have we keep private inboxes and we syndicate across. Makes, Makes sense. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, that's awesome. That sounds cool. Um, the question I have, I'm curious. You know, in my experience, you know, this changes from time to time depending on like your stage and what goals um, are in front of you. But what metrics in your business are you trying to improve on? Uh, right now, or like, where do you think there's opportunity for more growth? So, so we mentioned one key one, which is uh, uh, negative churn, uh, and we constantly uh, focusing on it. Uh, we we make sure that uh, a we we reduce the logo churn, and b we continue our expansion. So we've improved a lot in the logo churn. It turned out that uh, when we did the analysis of uh, or logo churn. Logo churn, for those who don't know, it's um, companies actually living as opposed to a particular user living. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we found is that the number one reason why uh, companies would not renew is because they actually never deployed, which was a big surprise because people pay money. They, we, we do annual upfront. They pay money and then they don't use it. Um, so we, for different reasons. So we found that, and that therefore they, they can't love the product because they never used it. So we pay a lot more attention now on the onboarding and making sure that uh, if people disappear and we chase them all the way until they come back and they get our product, they use it. Uh, because once our product is live, it, it works and you don't need much attention, right? especially that inbound automation, it just works on its own. So that's been one focus, um, making sure that everybody's onboarded. Uh, the expansion, as I mentioned, we're now adding more um, solutions. We just also launched an event solution to help people schedule meetings at events. So we're going on base and offering that as a new option. So we're very focused on, on uh, expanding. Uh, expanding. So that, these are the two, two, two metrics that uh, we keep our eye on. When it comes nice. to acquiring new customers, um, 
we we just go with um, the full uh, cycle, right? Uh, what we call the funnel metrics. So is our pipeline increasing? Is our conversion rate uh, improving? And uh, how does it look inbound versus outbound? And we monitor that. But I think the number one thing for early stage companies, the number one thing to monitor is the conversion rate. Because if you have a high conversion rate, then you can invest money. And, and by, that, by conversion rate, I mean uh, uh, prospect to close one opportunity. Because if you have a high conversion rate, so when, you know, when uh, my conversion rate uh, when we started was uh, 32%. So it, if I talk to three people, I'd convert one. And that makes it very cost effective to talk to a lot of people because you know you're going to go, a third of them is going to become customers. Uh, so that's the number one thing to 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 pay attention to is is your your conversion rates uh, because um, that's where it's going to enable uh, adding fuel on the growth later. Yeah, I agree. It makes total sense. Um, all right, perfect. This is a tough one to answer, and I want to ask you because I ask everyone. Um, but what does a typical day look like for you as a CEO of Chili Piper? Like, are you drawn into like a particular department, for example? Or so we try to avoid uh, meetings. Uh, of course, we're remote, so meetings are online, but we we try to minimize meetings. Um, so I used to have a daily stand up with the developers, right? Uh, we make sure they were very short. So um, it would be like uh, maybe uh, 10 or 15 minutes every morning. Uh, and uh, it's only recently that I stopped doing that. Um, so they, um, I no longer do that. When I start my day, I typically uh, look at what I have to achieve. Funnily enough, um, I had a problem to focus on the most important things, so I started a side company. I said, you know, because you think I'm busy enough, but I, I did. I started a side company. It's called Gypsy Time to better manage my time. And the idea that uh, I had this to-do list that keep accumulating and I was never getting to it. And I, I thought the problem is not to capture all the things I have to do, is to actually do them. So Gypsy Time helps uh, me. Uh, it's, it's, it's an online app. It's a Chrome extension that helped me focus. So when I, I decide to do a task, it shuts down all the other tabs and makes me focus on the task. It, 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 it tracks how much time I spend on it. And then it, uh, records how much time I spend on it. So that's my first thing in the day. I start my day. I look at my GC time uh, tasks. I organize which ones I'm going to do in priority and boom, I start focusing on them. Typically, um, I'd have three meetings per day right now. I'd say on average, um, some internal, some external. I try to keep them to 30 minutes and, um, and everything around it is uh, Slack and email. So that, that's how my day, my, my day is spent. I love it. That sounds really cool. Gypsy time, like yeah. G-Y-P-S-Y? G-I-P-S-Y. Uh, G-I. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. That sounds like something I would like. Awesome. Right. You can go right. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking for it as, as you were explaining it. Um, that's amazing. Uh, Nicholas, I do want to be mindful of your time here. Um, I do end off each chat with what I call the founders three. Are you okay. ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, number one, your favorite business book. 
Uh, it's the one we preaching these days uh, internally. Uh, the Chris Voss book, uh, Never Split the Difference. It, oh, it okay. on, yeah, yeah. It's full of insights. It's wonderful. It's, it, that's uh, nice. We actually just had a training today on our sales team. Yes. Okay. Nice. Um, number two, your favorite vacation spot. So I grew up in the South of France across uh, the Mediterranean Sea. There's this Island called Corsica. And, um, I go back every summer. It's uh, completely beautiful. So by far it's my favorite spot. I mean, and that, that's a French Island. It's actually a French island. It's where Napoleon was born. It used to be uh, Italian right before the birth of Napoleon, and it has remained French ever still. So it's it's uh, yeah between France, France and Italy, Corsica. Very cool. And lastly, if you can go back, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business? So I'm going to say something that uh, is a bit unusual, but. Um, I wish I'd had more confidence in myself and more confidence in the data. And it's a bit ironic because um, basically what I'm saying is that uh, advice is overrated. And it's ironic that they give advice, advice is overrated. I acknowledge that. But uh, often uh, I received a lot of advice which led me to a decision that turned out to be wrong. And I think if I just facing myself and just look at the data and, and how the data plays, I, I would have uh, done a lot better. Um, so it's, that's the one thing I think. So just have confidence, go and do it and, and just learn from, from what happens and, and from the data you get from what you do. I totally agree. I, I always say that too. I, I call that, I think a lot of people are what, what I call headline readers, right? They, they read a headline or someone tells them something like, for example, like Facebook ads don't work and like they automatically assume like, you know what, they don't work. I'm not going to do it. But like there's, you have to try it. Like it's not the same. It's not the same. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just have confidence. Go try it and see what happens. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Love it. Love it. Uh, great way to end this. Nicholas, thank you so much. This was, uh, uh, I'm so happy we connected. This was an amazing chat. Very insightful. Um, wish you best of luck and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Thanks a lot. All right, Nicholas, thanks again. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.